have pulled in more than just lawyers. So, who do we got? Oh, we just got different people that that follow on Instagram, and they're like, "Hey, can I show up too?" Oh, and there's a baby right there with Gina. <laughs> it kind of looks like a baby bird, right? And here is his first knife. Oh, come on. When he turns 18. <laughs> yeah, that's a badass. Oh, ah, sorry. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wait another two minutes while people come in. Um, Then we'll introduce Eric and Andrew. Um, <clears throat> kind of as we, why don't we get started a little bit? And, you know, I was, uh, I was on a podcast yesterday called Legal Beagle. And he was talking about <clears throat> change in the legal business. What's coming? <clears throat> what did it used to be? What's it going to be? How is it changing? Is it the same or different? And what I was saying about that, <clears throat> I think applies to what we're going to talk about today. And it applies to life in general. And um, I said, we don't really know what's going to happen, but we have to be open to the fact that every day is a change and, a, and change is either good or bad, depending on how we look at it. But also everything that any of us have done, including that little baby that Gina has right there, takes a first step at everything that we've ever done in our lives, right? And so for most of us, I know some of y'all do know, but me and probably many of you don't know what the hell we're talking about, but we hear crypto, we hear NFT, we hear metaverse. Maybe we knew metaverse was something like Minecraft type deal, but this today is an attempt at our first step of really getting some rudimentary foundational things where they're going to give you the, uh, the contact information for the, the people who are going to talk today, um, who are, uh, will tell you a little bit about themselves uh, so that you can follow up with them. And it's really a, the start of a conversation that probably, you know, three years from now, we'll all be like, can you believe we didn't know that shit back then? But for right now, we got to do that first step. So um, let me start with you, Eric. Could you kind of introduce yourself? And you and I have known each other and worked on cases together for many, many years, but please. Yeah, so I'm Eric Vealy. I, I run a firm called Victory Law Group that I started back in 2014. I've known Mike for a while. Obviously, he's an a, a, a outstanding trial attorney and people I sat with to, to get some assistance with when I started my firm. been practicing since 2007, went to SC for law school and basically got involved with uh, the crypto space around 2016. Um, and typically, when people get into crypto, they originally hear about Bitcoin. And Bitcoin was basically developed, you know, by, they call him Satoshi Nakamoto, but many people think it was an individual by the name of Hal Finney, uh, who just had issues with the corporate banking system and government malfeasance with respect to money. And didn't like the fact that 
people could create a global currency where a very few amount of people in the government could print as much money as they want, do whatever they want to, uh, for their own personal benefit. <clears throat> so he created a Bitcoin, which is basically an, an immutable ledger, like an Excel spreadsheet that can't be altered. So no one can print more Bitcoin. No one can, you know, it's, there's only 21 million that could ever be in existence. There can't be a hundred million and made it so there was just this fair accounting system so people can trade, uh, you know, goods and services. And, you know, it's, it's, it's withstood the test of time over the last 10 years because it hasn't been hacked. Um, and it's, it's, it's basically just worked. Um, it's become a trillion dollar market cap and people have used it either both to invest and to speculate. And now people are trying to start bringing into their everyday world. Like even Google this week said that they're going to, look at bringing in wallets for their customers as well. Um, you know, I, I think a good point that Mike made at the beginning is that there's different revolutions over our lifetime and that there, there was an industrial revolution, which took a, you know, 50, 60 years to, 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 to pass. And then we had the internet age, which obviously that transformation became a lot quicker than the industrial revolution. And then now there's this financial revolution with Bitcoin and money and things of that nature. And then Andrew's going to talk about the early stages of the metaverse and NFTs and things, things like that. And I think okay. it's an, an art age to adapt to those. They're going to be coming a lot quicker. Uh, and we have to move, especially whether it be the legal industry or other industries with automation and everything else, that it could be something that's like pretty profound. So I found Bitcoin in 2016, uh, heavily invested in it, basically held the whole way and have kind of followed the other transformations of what mm. people call, you know, Web 2 or Web 3, which is the Ethereum blockchain, AVAX, Solana, where they basically create a base layer uh, uh, foundation for people to create apps on to, to, to run businesses uh, where the, it's basically eliminating the middlemen. So people will have crypto wallets where they can directly interact with the people they're buying its goods and services from. And that saves a bunch of costs to the consumer and also to the person selling those goods because they don't have to deal with the American Express or credit card companies or website providers, GoDaddy or whoever else. And they can build whatever they need to build on top of that layer one. And it's completely decentralized. Uh, and you'll hear that word a lot in crypto decentralized because not one individual or entity owns you know, whatever that that app on that base layer is, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or anything else. Eric, let me interrupt for a minute and just kind of you're you're you hit the ground running. And, and I apologize for jumping around. I'm actually in a mediation as well, an MSC. So I'm trying to do double duty. But I want to open it up for questions because we want to make sure that that foundationally we understand what what crypto, Bitcoin, what. Uh, and the purposes of that are the uh, monetary currency, but then how also has that been become what seems like a lot of trading and spec, you know, so let me ask, does anybody have any questions so far to ask Eric? I think we're all afraid. Well, let me, let me just jump in real quick. So I think most people come to me and ask, hey, I want to invest in Bitcoin. I'm ready to dip my, my foot in. So if people are really interested in, number one, learning about Bitcoin, 
Um, I think the best thing to do is to watch a YouTube video uh, from a gentleman named Michael Saylor, uh, S-A-Y-L-O-L-L-O-R. His first name is Michael. And he has an interview with a gentleman named Anthony Pompliano, which is about a two-hour interview on Bitcoin. And I, th I think if you really want to have a decent understanding, uh, like a base layer understanding of what Bitcoin is, I think that's a good thing to watch. If you guys want some consulting on, uh, you know, security and storing your Bitcoin, get hacked and buying your Bitcoin and finding out which exchanges to do that on, um, you know, I can help out with that. My phone number is 213-422-5061. You know, basically, uh, you know, people have come up to me, big, big attorneys have come up to me, asked me for assistance. And basically, I'll sit down with them. And I've been, you know, setting them up on exchanges and making sure they have the correct, correct security measures in place so they don't lose, lose the crypto that they're purchasing and storing it either on a hard wallet, which is called the Nano Ledger, or storing it on an exchange and then having the proper security measures in place to make sure that they don't have any issues moving forward. I have a quick question. I'm sorry. I just hopped, I just hopped on um, and I'm in New York, so I don't know if I hopped on late. Did this just begin or are we ending? No, we just began. Okay, perfect. I'm just double checking. Um, another a question is, so there's a correlation between Bitcoin and NFT. Like every time you're talking about NFT, you're also talking about Bitcoin. Like how do those two correlate? It's a brand new world for me. Um, and I'm just looking into seeing options on investing, but it seems like they're both very connected. So why don't we hold that question and we'll answer that question when we talk about NFTs as well, because the purpose is trying to understand what an NFT is as well. And then once we do that, we can talk about that. But I just want to say the reason I asked Eric to, to come on was uh, we follow each other on social media. We've been friends. We've, we've been colleagues for a while. And I remember, I don't even know how long ago it was. You started saying a long time ago, crypto, baby, crypto's coming. Come on, pay attention. And that's probably been, what, a year and a half now. And, um, and you just kept coming and kept encouraging and kept talking about it. And sure enough, everything that you were saying seemed to happen soon thereafter. So um, Andrew, I don't know if you want to, if you want to say anything. Um, and I don't know how you and Eric are going to talk about the three topics, but I wanted to give you the floor for a minute. If there's something that, that you'd like to add. Um, not, not so much as add right now. I can introduce myself. I think we wanted to, structure things as Eric would um, give the first category its due time and then I'll go into Ethereum and other alternative investments, uh, whether that's NFTs or mostly what I'm working on, which is early stages of uh, what we're calling like the metaverse. Um, my background is pretty recent. Um, I graduated in 2020 and then immediately went to work for uh, Travis Kalanick's startup, uh, transitioned from then into crypto and blockchain technology. I didn't have any experience. I wasn't like 2015 uh, adopter of Ethereum or anything. I only really started reading about blockchain technology um, starting in January or February, but 
for about seven months now, I've been running um, the investment vehicle for a company called Republic Realm. Um, the investment vehicle specifically focuses on buying virtual real estate in metaverse platforms. Um, so throughout my seven past seven months, um, I've spoken to about 250 different founders and projects about their platforms. Um, I've grown my personal investment vehicle from about seven or 8 million to 55. And it's all just been focused on, I, th I think we're spread out between 24 or 25 different platforms at this point. Um, but what I'll do is go into uh, what that metaverse landscape looks like, how it relates to NFTs, how NFTs relate to the overall market, and then the different currencies that are adopted um, in this like current state of acceleration of crypto, aside from the major platforms like Bitcoin and Ethereum. All right. And so guys, not only will um, Eric and Andrew's information, contact information be emailed to everyone, anything that's mentioned, like when Eric mentioned the YouTube um, video, that will also be sent to everyone in an email. And so let's go from here, Andrew, and let's just talk about NFT. What does that mean? What is an NFT? Um, and we'll start with that. All right. Um, I guess, I mean, yeah, NFTs are the talk of the town right now. I mean, the, the very basic definition for somebody involved in the crypto space is an NFT is it stands for non-fungible token, which I really hate explaining this part because it makes you sound like some technical jargon, like repeater. But basically when you exchange a dollar bill, that is what is referred to as a fungible token in the world of crypto. Just like one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, no matter where it comes from, a dollar equals a dollar. In the terms of what an NFT is, the non-fungibility aspect is this does not equal that. It can come from what we're seeing now with the volatility and popularity of the NFT art world is things can come from the same collection, be made by the same developers, and it all rolls up into a singular project but no one token is the same as another. They all have their own unique value. And basically they're just not interchangeable like a single currency would be. Now, if we're going into what NFTs can mean for the greater landscape as technology develops, the end game is not at all art. Um, it's basically just the catalyst that is propelling this um, to new heights right now. I think NFTs will, in the next five to 10 years, be used as um, identity validators, whereas I, like, there could be a 
data set that would allow you to move freely between countries and borders, um, having your driver's license or passport or vaccine card or whatever have you on a single ledger where you have one digital identifier that's linked to you that you can use as um, validation that you're who you say you are, your documents, whatever. And that's, that's one technology that I'm really bullish on. The artwork aspect, it's really um, what's emerging is a way for a global community that doesn't share a location or doesn't share socioeconomic status, um, doesn't share, they could have nothing in common, except they're all a part of this community based on validation that they hold the token. And that could mean nothing or it could mean everything. It just depends on how the community itself evolves the project, but it's not even about the project. It's just how they evolve themselves, how they actually connect with each other. So let me, uh, let me I might let me, be going a little bit more in depth. Yeah, yeah let me stop. <laughs> hold on, because is anybody else kind of like, holy crap, what's going on here? <laughs> talking. Um, so let's take a step back. Uh, a non-fungible token, an NFT, is that basically a, a non-reproducible electronic identifier? There is a single identifier tied to what an NFT is. An NFT basically has a hash mark on a blockchain that says this is a unique identifier. So that's, if, if I can say there's like three um, specific technologies that link to what an NFT is, it is uniqueness, it can be <clears throat> scarcity and indivisibility. And so, so by, yeah. if, if, if you can help explain. So you said an NFT is kept on a blockchain. Um, the blockchain is the, the market? The blockchain is the, the ledger. The ledger. Yeah. And so how does one create an NFT and then how do they take that NFT and get it in the ledger? So I, I believe there's a few different ways that aren't as complicated as um, this is a whole different conversation, but on, a, on something like Ethereum per se, um, Ethereum runs on smart contracts and in order to make a digital medium, an NFT, you have to tokenize that with, with a smart contract. Now, obviously everybody in the world doesn't have time to learn how to program in Ethereum's coding language. So there are, um, there are platforms and websites. Uh, one easy example is the biggest NFT marketplace out there right now, OpenSea. It just had a $13 billion valuation just recently closed the Series B. Um, they have a way on their platform that takes about five minutes uh, or less to basically upload your file. They tokenize it themselves and it's just a part of their like 
standard infrastructure contract. All right, so let's let's go back again because, um, and Eric and and Fred, I know you're on here and you know a lot about this as well. I want you to contribute, but you know, uh, let's take it back because I'm still confused and I'm seeing some people are like, what? Uh, you know, we read all the time. In fact, somebody said before we started, oh, do you hear about that kid who created like NFTs and sold them for a billion dollars? I just read Shaquille O'Neal, who's a, a, yeah. a fan of, and he said he created a series of NFTs and then sold them for charity. And can somebody talk about, I mean. I, uh, just real quick, I think I can make it simple. Our, well, Andrew's like giga brain. He's like managing a huge fund, like, our, one of my close friends, Keyboard Monkey, yeah, he, he traded NFTs for three months and made $50 million. But he, he, you have to understand what people think is going to be scarce, what people think is going to build a community, and and also the, the, the artfulness or the originality of this. Like, historically, like, one of the original uh, projects was CryptoPunks, which is still an ERC-20 token, which a non-fungible token means that you own, like, the digital signature of that uh, JPEG. Now, anyone in the world can right-click and save that JPEG and can show it on their Twitter profile or Instagram or whatever else, but you're the only person in the world that owns the signature for that, and that's what the NFT is, okay? There's so other, go ahead. There's other NFTs that have come out. So, so some of the original NFT is just you own that signature. The person that created that signature theoretically could go back and take a picture of, like, Donald Trump and replace that photo. And, and so people created an ERC 721 token that actually has all the artwork on chain plus the signature, okay? Where they own the signature plus the NFT plus the artwork's actually on the ledger, if that makes sense. So the, before some of the original NFT projects, the artwork was still off the ledger, but that you own the signature to that mint, I guess. So Fred, you entered into the chat and I wanna just ask you because uh, you've also been a part of it. Uh, really helpful. So if you think about an NFT, like there's an original Mona Lisa, right? Anyone can copy it and hang a copy on the wall, but only uh, there's only one original and that's validated on the blockchain. Is that right? Yeah, that's a really good way of thinking about it. So, and you know, there's a lot of NFTs that have gone nowhere. Like a famous example of, of nobody caring about them that much was when John Cena came out with a bunch of NFTs and just nobody was interested in them and he didn't have a very good product to sell. You hear about Shaquille O'Neal, you hear about all these other implications. It's really who wants what your NFT is? Yeah, you know, we were talking about it earlier. We could screenshot you, we could screenshot me. We could turn that into an NFT. We could put it on OpenSea.io, which is linked in the chat. But you know, who's going to buy it? Who cares about it? And so you have to just kind of think about what the um, what the market is and who wants what. You've heard some of the other speakers talk about really important groups of NFTs. CryptoPunks is one. Uh, there's a really cool one called the Board uh, uh, Board Ape Yacht Club. We, we don't we don't say that around here. Oh no, yeah, that's not a you not a popular one. Well, what's just I have, interesting I have, about I have, that? I have, I have crypto punks. Stay with the crypto punks. Thank you. 
So like with uh, CryptoPunks, for example, I, I don't know if they do this because the other one we're not talking about, I know it does, but like if you have a certain NFT in the real world, you could use that um, to get into like a party. Like when they do crypto uh, conventions, there's like some, you know, after behind the scenes parties where, hey, I'm the original owner of this NFT. This is my ticket to get in. So that's kind of a, a real world way to use them, for example. So and I'm sure... I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt, but um, we want to get to ultimately what Natalie was asking about is the investment and the interplay. But again, taking a step back, when Shaq, let's say, decided he wanted to create some NFTs and then he wanted to sell them or donate them for sale, can we talk about basic, like, how did he hire someone to create that? and then put it on a, on a blockchain? How, how did that actually happen? Anybody? Um, he, I mean, I'm personally not familiar with the- Well, let me ask then just generally, how could someone do that? And I'm just- Yeah, you, you, can, you can hire a, a developer um, to write you a smart contract for an NFT project, um, or it's as simple as, um, going on one of these marketplaces and using their platform to mint it yourself. So similar to if I wanted to create an app, I could write it myself or I could hire someone to, to make it. You could do that for an NFT that would be an original uh, thing that then can be put on My a chain and do stuff with it. I could take a picture of your law firm logo and go on OpenSea and mint an NFT of all your law in 30 seconds. Okay, so let's say we do that. And let's say now, Eric, you own the, the original photo of this, my law firm sign, okay? And now you've done whatever you need to register it so that no one else can take it. You are the owner of that original thing. Even though somebody else could copy it a million times, the sale of that and the value of that is on the original. Is that right? I mean, people could see it as having value, but I'm the one that minted it. I'm not the owner of Alder Law. Like if you have the signature, you minted it your wallet and you mint Alder Law logo, then that has more value. Great. So now let's say we have whatever it is. Let's say what you just did and, and it's now an original thing. Now let's go to what... Natalie is asking, how does that have value? How is that investable? Who invests in that? It's, it's again, the origination of NFTs. And Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, but my thought on it, and I, I, I sometimes is as confused as you are, but it's the historic nature of NFTs. That's why I invested in CryptoPunks. That's the artwork that's involved. But as NFTs and metaverse plays come out, it's going to, you know, essentially the whole world is being dematerialized online. Your, the, how your, your social abilities, your, your, uh, uh, your jobs, everything else is being dematerialized. So same thing with your identity. And I think people are going to identify with what, so these profile pics. They're going to become part of who they are in this metaverse or whatever else. And that's, this is the early stages of all that. And so people are, are minting these NFTs. They're creating communities. These communities give you certain access to certain things, whether it be here or in the metaverse. Um, there may be tokens or other things that 
people are doing. So for example, there's a, I don't know if you guys heard of something called Axie Infinity, which basically is a video game that people can make money on. And people in the Philippines are getting paid more than college graduates to play this game like all day. Uh, And it has a bigger market cap than some countries right now, just playing this DeFi game online. And they have NFTs and all these other things. So people think that these markets are going to change the world and, and, and people are going to be basically making money doing these things online. So before we go to the, another change of the topic, Fred, anything to add? Does anybody else have any comments on the basic stuff we've been talking about? And then we're going to talk about the metaverse and then we're going to talk about how all this works together. I wanted, now, look, I wanted to jump in super quickly on the people investing part like who's investing in these nfts um and <clears throat> i want to preface it by saying like we are still like crazy in in the infancy of this market and as we saw in the last six months and as fred stated like there's a lot of nfts that will go to zero um and have gone to zero and i think that in the next like two years, the average price of an NFT will probably be somewhere between 10 and $20. But the last six months, we saw so many projects sell out just because of retail investors and just um, a lack of knowledge in the space, just buying anything and thinking that people were going to um, buy what they bought for hire. Like, it was just a supreme lack of knowledge. But what we're seeing now with things like uh, the project that may not be named, Board Ape Yacht Club, and other projects in the space like uh, Cash, Doodles, or um, this one called Hearts, like we're seeing industry buy-in from uh, creative agencies, um, talent agencies. We're seeing brand partnerships like Adidas and different uh, vacation destinations and clubs partnering with these people. Like Eleven, a club in Miami bought a board eight. You're going deep. It's it's deep, but it's like what what we can see from brand partnerships coming in is the people investing will change. Um, It'll change based on what they identify with on a cultural level, like as cultural relevancy bleeds into NFTs, you'll start to see segmentation. So I want to take a break for a second. And I want to talk to all of you who are like me that are going, that are going, um, oh crap, I don't understand what the hell you're talking about, right? I get it. But listen, remember obstacles, the lack of understanding is not in the way it is the way. And ultimately, we're all going to have to get our minds around this. So, so I want to caution everyone to avoid saying, well, I don't get it. So I'm going to do other work, turn this off, um, do it, you know, look, I'll look at it later. We got to go through this painful process of trying to get your mind around this to try to understand to ask stupid questions, right? If you're ever gonna ask a dumb question, this is a safe place to do it, okay? So this will probably not be the only time we talk about this. So I just wanna say, it's okay to be confused. I am. 
but I'm a little less confused than I were at was 30 minutes ago. So what I want to do is, is I want to now try to get another part of this and because all three of you guys have mentioned the metaverse a couple of times. So, and then the interplay between all of these things. So let's talk about the metaverse and generally, what are we talking about? Uh, Fred, why don't I ask you to, to kind of give us a little, because I really appreciate all the stuff to help you've given me. Sure. And I'm, uh, I'm going to do a little uh, teaser because I know I didn't know Andrew before this, but, you know, he said that he works for Republic Realm and I was always wondering who they were. Um, and so uh, I, I know he'll go into this, but the metaverse, uh, you really just have to think of the movie Ready Player One. That's the metaverse. That's, you know, we're not quite there yet, but that's probably what's going to be happening in five, 10, 12 years, maybe earlier. So there's all these different um, ways that you can interact. Facebook is creating a metaverse. Microsoft's going to create a metaverse. The two really big blockchain metaverses that I'm aware of are called uh, Sandbox and Decentraland. And really, just in a, um, a, a brief 30-second overview, you just have to think of it as real life gone digital. So in your digital world, in this uh, whatever metaverse you're in, you can pick up and take your property with you to every single metaverse and you own it. Legally, for all the lawyers, you will own that. There will be lawsuits about somebody, did somebody steal my property in the metaverse? Did somebody sexually harass me in the metaverse? There are actually claims right now where people are saying I was groped in the metaverse. You know, this person assaulted me in the metaverse. And you know, it's kind of weird because it's uh, the one claim was they were playing a zombie game and it was a disembodied head and hands that started groping the other avatar of this other player. So, um, and if you have younger kids, 10, you know, 15 years old, you can ask them about uh, Minecraft, Fortnite, and they have all these skins that you know their their players have different outfits. That could be like an NFT you have in your metaverse, your outfit that you bring with you from uh, from world to world. So let me ask you guys, um, and maybe this will help. I understand. I think generally the metaverse is a virtual version of the real world, right? I mean, it's where you could either go in and play a game on your computer or you could put your VR goggles on and you're in there. I mean, it could be a fantasy. So I don't know so, how I'd say. Yeah. So the question in terms of investing about ownership is you mentioned there's a lot of different ways to get into the metaverse, different platforms, correct? So let's say I go in on platform A and I buy something or I own it, how does that go to platform B or C? And in that platform, which I'm not on, those people know that I already own that space. I'm gonna, I'll tease this out for, uh, for Andrew because I know he's got more knowledge than me. I, I tried to put a screen share up. Can anybody see that? Yeah. Can everybody this see that? It looks like uh, a map with a bunch of different blocks and it says sandbox on it. You want to scroll over, scroll over to the right a little bit on the screen. You see our logo on yeah. the 
far right. I see it. And there's can uh, Ray. I can see you. Can you see that? Got it. All right, go ahead. So here's the map of the sandbox. It's one of the most popular metaverses um, that's in production right now. I'm not going to get into it because I know uh, Andrew knows way more about it than me. But you know, briefly, every single tiny square you see is a piece of land that anybody can buy. You can buy it. I can buy a piece of land, a piece of square. You can go on OpenSea and you can buy it. And then boom, it's yours. Think about it just like buying someplace, you know, in Newport or Corona Del Mar or Riverside. Uh, you own that block. And if you go um, kind of between the Atari uh, square and the Walking Dead square diagonally, you can kind of see Snoop Dogg sitting right there on a big piece of land. He's making a lot of hay in the sandbox, you know, with all the things he's going to do in his digital area. You can buy NFT tokens to get into his property and visit it and go to parties with him when he's in his metaverse. And just to show you uh, kind of, you know, how crazy it is, if you look at some of those squares on the edge of Snoop Dogg, um, th those pieces of land just in the last like month or so have sold for about $400,000, uh, people that originally owned those squares to, um, you know, selling them to other people. And you see the R there, that's a Republic Realm that I'm really looking forward to Andrew talking about. And, you know, your original question, Mike, you know, can you, uh, the interoperability between the metaverses, that all depends on how well the technology comes out, how well are these blockchains going to interoperate with each other? Some will, some won't. Um, so it really is going to depend on the program. But, you know, the idea is, if you've got like virtual property, a virtual house, virtual clothes, virtual pets, uh, it would be nice to be able to pick them up from Sandbox and take them with you to another metaverse in, in Facebook or Decentraland and use them there. So um, the, the, the people who bought land for 400 grand, who sold it to them? Uh, well, in Sandbox, and then and I'm going to stop talking and let Andrew take over, but the people who created Sandbox owned all the land, and they gave a lot of it away, I think, or gave a lot away at, like, no price or, or very little price just to get the advertising out there. Um, and so it just went like, you know, any piece of land, you know, people that came over to America, I claim this land in the name of Spain, you know, and then all of a sudden it goes through its process of how everybody gets it and gets legal title to it, you know, from there. But originally Sandbox created this world. They had all the land. They either sold it or gave it away. And, and people have been selling and buying um, since then. All right. I think so, done a, quite a few acquisitions. So if you want, I think he's a good person to talk about that. Say that again. I think Andrew's handled quite a few acquisitions. Uh, he might be a good person to ask about that. That's, that's, that's exactly yeah. where I was going next. So Andrew, yeah. you know, you kind of hear my questions and I think my questions are generically simplistic that most of us have. Tell us a little bit about those transactions in the metaverse. Yeah, of course. So like, I'll start with, um, the first, like who sold them the land. So just like, there are NFT projects that come out that have a limit of 10,000 iterations that can be bought. Um, Sandbox has conducted their land sales in phases, um, starting 
I think about a year and a half ago, they started releasing waves of sales and auctions that I think when they started, you could buy for just a few hundred dollars. Um, and that was, those were just like the small, like very tiny squares you see all, all the way up to the largest estates, like the ones that Republic Realm has. Um, so after Sandbox has these initial land sales that if you're paying attention and you're, you know about the project and you bought, um, a lot of those people have obviously like seen the land value skyrocket and have then passed that off um, and can sold it for crazy multiples. Can I ask you a question again, basically? Um, the buying and the selling of land box properties, everyone is on, I mean, on sandbox is on sandbox, right? Uh, you can buy and sell Sandbox on OpenSea. Okay. So you can buy you can buy Sandbox land on OpenSea. But there are other companies, other uh, virtual landscapes that are being sold on other platforms. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, like one of the biggest ones that was the first mover in the space, Decentraland. Um, you can also buy Decentraland properties and land on OpenSea, but Decentraland itself has its own native marketplace that is heavily utilized by the user base. And what uh, happens if this company goes out of business? Uh, well, it's in terms of Decentraland, it's kind of a moot point because they their mission very early on was to have a completely decentralized platform governed by the users. So as soon as the game developers, the Decentraland team um, built the platform, they decentralized and gave governing power to landowners and significant contributors in the environment. And now they've taken a complete step back. So there's a Decentraland team that supports the platform and the game, but they're known as the Decentraland Foundation and only step in if there is a majority vote from the like literal governing user population to change something. So, so it lives on the, it's, it's online as long as Ethereum's online. Okay, but what about Sandbox? What if Sandbox goes out of business? I mean, it's not, not will they, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying if change happens in a way, like we get a pandemic that we didn't expect something and sandbox closes their doors, mm -hmm. how does Snoop Dogg get his property? Well, the, the property exists as the land parcel itself exists as an NFT. So that, by itself will always be secured and stored on the Ethereum blockchain. So as long as Ethereum doesn't go out of business, they have the property, but you can equate it to um, an extension of social networking. So if you were really heavily invested, say, say influencers were a thing 15 years ago and there was the most popular influencer on dig, like they, would lose a lot of their social capital once Dig kind of went under. 
And it's the same sort of idea. So it's not so much that it will go out of business, but there will definitely be major players in terms of platform popularity. Uh, so the same way that NFTs will go to zero if they're not kept up with and engage with the community, um, there's a lot of platforms that will also not be able to maintain the user base and engagement um, where the land will be worth virtually zero. But so Sandbox is pretty heavily fun funded by SoftBank. They closed a $93 million Series B raise uh, back in November. But they, they're set for a while. <laughs> can, I, can I just say a few words? Yeah. MySpace, Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram, TikTok. Exactly right? how I think about MySpace it. was was all was the shit. Yeah, everybody's like, I'm I'm the shit in MySpace. Now people don't even know what MySpace is, and I'm I'm saying so as those of us who are looking and let's say we want to invest in something, let's say we want to get involved and start to learn on a particular platform. How do we pick that platform? Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm spread out between about uh, like 24, 25 different virtual platforms right now, but you're hitting the nail on the head with that comparison between MySpace, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, like these social platforms, which are Sandbox and Decentraland and others, which in my opinion, have a completely different audience and use case than like the gaming focused platforms um like those will evolve just like social media if if it is just about community and being able to experience cool things like you can in decentraland in the sandbox and sandbox there will be uh that next evolution there will be somebody that comes out with better graphics or more immersiveness, something better, just like social media has evolved. So in terms of how you start to get involved, that's like, that's the dangerous game that we're playing with making this a, a financial vehicle. Is there guys between the three of you, uh, Eric, uh, a YouTube video or a, a source that you would recommend as a good foundational start i will shamelessly plug this here before there's an answer uh my company republic realm is having a metaverse academy that is actually about to have its initial kickoff in the beginning of february i can so drop that link can we uh can you not only drop the link but then i will make sure that we share it with not only this alder talk on but we have over the year and a half a, a much bigger network as well yeah uh, that's the kind of stuff I was talking about. Um, let me just say one thing and then I'm gonna ask, we'll have a couple more questions I wanna wrap up, but, but I'm gonna also include in the email an article that was in the ABA journal about a lawyer in Indiana who created a virtual law firm in the metaverse and the future of doing legal business or business in the metaverse and how you create that and et cetera. And uh, Reza 
uh, Torch today and I have been going back and forth on us. And we're like, why don't we start a, a virtual law firm? But then do the bar rules apply? And who owns what? And what number do you use? And who's gonna, you know, and do you, so there's a lot of things, but I'm gonna also include that because this is the kind of stuff, or again, we don't have to get it all completely. These guys, you guys are like Elon Musk geniuses, certainly compared to most of us, I know me, but you gotta grapple with this and you gotta kinda, remember when you were in year one of law school and shit did not make sense? And for me, it was the first semester of year two. And I was like, I woke up one morning and I was like, oh yeah, I see how it fits. But that's gonna happen for all of this with all of us to the extent it hasn't happened all, already. Well, one real quick thing I think is really important is that, you know, in 2016, like I had a, a guy that, that taught me all this stuff and mentored me and, you know, and to, just to tell you how crazy cryptocurrency is, like most of the people that got me into this space are out of this space because of the volatility of this market. And the people that have really high conviction in, in things, I have really high conviction in Bitcoin, and that's why I've done pretty well over the years in it. But if you want to get into this space, it's not for the faint of heart. I would definitely recommend if you're going to invest in it that you find someone that's a mentor that you trust and know that will sit down with you and go through this stuff to get a base layer understanding and try to not in the beginning, beginning at least don't do things on your own, do some things with people that know what they're doing because you will make mistakes. Yeah. And, and Rob, I saw your chat. Please reach out to me if you don't mind. and We'll talk. Um, now we can talk for, for a long time, but does anybody have any questions? I want to kind of turn it over to the rest of us. For, and, and try not to get, for those of you who know, already know kind of what we're talking about, don't get too technical right now. But does anybody have any general questions? Um, Natalie, did that kind of help you a little bit? Go ahead. So, so yeah, so I mean, this NFT talk is really exciting me. I'm like a, an entrepreneur constantly looking at <laughs> many different things. But I'm about to la launch, um, I guess my question is pertaining specifically to what I'm doing now. I'm about to launch an immersive art space in Las Vegas. Um, and everyone's talking about how we can possibly bring this to the metaverse. I don't even know where to begin. So it's like, do do I start by speaking to a developer and, and start with a smart contract? Do I start by, you know, taking pictures? I don't know, where do, where do you begin with something like that? So Rob, Rob, I think you that's kind of up your alley. Don't answer the question. Just tell us if you're the guy that I can connect with her to, to give her the information. Yes? Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, so you, you, you want to create a you want to create just an art gallery in the metaverse? Is that just yeah, I mean, it's a lounge, so it's, you know, it'll, it's it's like a club slash art gallery. It's, it's a combination of the two. So, yeah, basically, the more I find out about this metaverse, that's that's the direction, right? You can create that actual space there. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll drop a link as well right now that you can Great. check out. So, Andrew um, and, and Eric and uh, Fred, if you would, and, and Rob, 
Can you guys all send me your contact information, email, and I'll send it to everybody. And so if, if Natalie and Rob or Andrew, you guys want to then take it and go, please do. Um, I have one last question and I just want to, this is for me. And, and again, this is a safe space to ask a dumb question. So we just talked about sandbox and um, what is it? Decentraland. And, but then there's, like you said, there's Fortnite, there's Minecraft, there's what? Facebook, Oculus, all these other gaming type things. Is that also generally the metaverse? Um, so, I mean, when we're looking at it, like, yes, we're, we're calling pretty much everything that can be built on blockchain tech or not. Like Facebook is probably not, or maybe they'll have their own blockchain, but yes, we're calling it the metaverse. I prefer to like refer to ones as just virtual platforms, um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, gaming use cases where people are creating uh, Grand Theft Auto or The Sims style open world platforms with their own built out robust economies that allow people um, worldwide, wherever to earn money by playing this game um, through different crypto functions like uh, DeFi or NFT trading in game. All right. So as we end, and I, I know there's a million other things. I just wanted, because this is called Alder Talk Live and my last name is Alder, I get to say the last things. I want to tell you a little bit about my thought process because again, I think, I think a lot like you guys do, right? And I have FOMO just like you guys, the fear of missing out. And I see people, I slave away at litigation like all of you guys do. And then I, I see these good looking young men making billions of dollars by selling sheep. And, and, you know, and I'm like, I want to do that. But the same was when the stock market goes up and everybody wants the next X. And, and we're always worried about what we missed out on. And I just, for me, I always have to take a step back and understand that first of all, if I don't understand it really well, I don't wanna extend myself too much, just like Eric is saying, right? But secondly, even if this is exciting and it's new and it's something that you might make money on, don't lose track of what got you here, what you're doing. And it's important that you continue the consistent behavior over time, the habits, not go all in because this landscape is changing forever. And what we need to do is learn it in bits and pieces. And so I didn't sell all my stock and now try to buy whatever I could in Bitcoin. Some people who did that, who maybe were lucky and or understood it, made a lot of money, but some people didn't. And so I say that because this is the kind of thought process I'm going through. And I know we're all like, hell, I'd love to, to hit the jackpot and then retire from the practice of law and just live on a yacht. 
It's the same with, I wish I had that $15,000 case and I tried it and I got $30 million for it. That may have happened one time in the history of the world, right? But it used, it's probably not gonna happen to you. And I don't mean that negatively, I just mean measured, okay? So Eric, Andrew, Fred, Rob, thank you guys so much. Uh, we will share everything. Please, this is a community of connection. It's our own metaverse. And so if I can connect one of you guys to help somebody else, more power to you. And then maybe I'll have you guys report back to us at a later time. Thanks, Mike. I found it really helpful. I, I hope everybody did. Y'all have a good weekend. Thank you, guys. Andrew, appreciate it very much. Eric, Fred, thank you. Good to see you, Mike. All right, take care, guys. Later, brother. Bye, everyone. Bye. Right, thank you.